that uh, you are packed in here. There's over 200 of you packed in our little church room uh, to hear from the scriptures and to celebrate this unbelievable occasion that we do every year. We run the risk of it becoming routine. We run the risk of going through those motions, and uh, we're unbelievably glad that you have carved out time to spend with us. We are looking this evening in Luke chapter 2, and uh, you don't have to worry about trying to fiddle with your Bibles or turn on your phones or whatever. We're going to have most of the scriptures up on the screen, and what we're doing is we're looking this evening at the glory and the light, and kids, this is going to be a really fun time for you because at the end, we get to make fire, Uh, and so who doesn't like fire? And so we're going to be lighting some candles, but it's important for us to understand first what the light is about. Before we start lighting candles and we enjoy those being lit, uh, we're going to look at why do we do that? And so I want to read to you, it's, it's the famous verses out of Luke chapter 2, if you want to turn your attention to the screen. The famous Christmas story, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't, no, no, don't be afraid. I bring you actually good news of great joy that will be for all of the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is Christ the Lord. And and that's the word of God. That is what Sandy and I continue to try and teach our kids is the meaning of Christmas. And yet, uh, during a, any given Christmas season, it's hard to get not get distracted, right? For instance, if you drive around town like we did last night in the snowstorm, uh, we like to look at Christmas lights. We load up into our uh, Suburban. Everybody gets hot chocolate in their pajamas on, and we turn on Christmas music, and we drive around, and we look at different Christmas lights and try to avoid accidents. And so we did that last night. And, and over the last few weeks, I've wondered, why do we put up Christmas lights? My kids are begging me to put up lights which I actually did this year outside. I went to Costco and bought two spotlights that shine lasers and plugged them in and called it done. It (laughs) took me about 10 minutes to decorate our house and my kids were thrilled. Right, kids? All right, good. I'm a winner. All right, so that will wear off and they'll want real lights up at some point. But I wonder like, why do we do that? And so I'm gonna take you on a little bit of a journey on Christmas lights. We have to actually go back to the 12th century, the darkest days, much like today, were about mid-November to the end of January. And actually, if we go to Germany, they only had about six hours of daylight, six hours where the sun was lit and they could see everybody and, and enjoy the Christmas time. And so because they couldn't see at night, they decided to get a bunch of logs and light them in town. And this log became termed a Yule log. And it was used to not only bring much needed light during this time, but it was also a reminder that the darkness of winter would eventually come to an end and that spring was coming. Christians, those who called themselves followers of Christ, took this tradition and they ran with it. They began to light the log and remember that Christ is the light. And they applied that to the Christmas traditions of remembering Jesus as the light. Now we fast forward a few centuries from the 12th century to the 16th century. And legend has it that a man of the time, a reformer in the church, Martin Luther, 
that one evening was looking up at the sky and noticed the stars and the moon and, and the brilliance of it and how beautiful it looked. And he thought, well, I want to have that brilliance at home. So he went home and he lit candles and put candles in his trees so that there would not be darkness. Some 300 years later, in 1832, a Harvard professor, Charles Fallen, became the first American to light candles and place them in his Christmas tree. But there were two problems. One probably is obvious to you, maybe not the other one. The first problem that may not be obvious to you is as candles thin like these, as a kid, uh, we would go to my grandmother's old Presbyterian church and we would hold them in our hands as tight as we could and we would allow the heat of our hands to melt them and we would turn, me and my cousins would turn them into pretzels over the course of time. Now, this was the only occasion we hoped that the pastor preached a really, really long sermon because that gave us time to create all different kinds of inventions with the candles and our body heat. It actually works. Kids, you can try that. Uh, if you break it, you're out of luck. Okay, so we would do that and we would create these figurines. And so that's what happens though. When heat happens, the candle would melt and begin to tilt and eventually fall over. So they had to create an invention called the, this is a, uh, an incredible title, the candle holder. Okay, and this would go in the trees so that they would not fall over. That was the first uh, problem with putting candles in the trees. The second problem with candles in trees was what? Fire, okay, fire and tree don't necessarily go well together, but that's the problem. So what happened is in the 1800s, they would light their candles and place them in the tree. And then the adults, kids, picture your parents doing this. The parents would sit back for about 30 minutes watching their tree, half enjoying and half absolutely terrified. <laughs> and on either side of them, they had a bucket of water and a bucket of sand, and the kids weren't allowed to move. But they enjoyed Christmas lights. And that took place. There's one girl in the 1800s that recalled her family's experience. She said this, we weren't allowed to use candles on our Christmas tree because... They're so tricky, you think? <laughs> Wise girl. By the 1880s, Edison's new light bulbs were invented, and they were used to replace an open fire on a dead tree. Here we see uh, the ad, no danger, no smoke, no smell. Uh, you don't die. If you use our light bulbs, you don't die. Like, that's their pledge to you. And so they began to use these uh, new light bulbs on dead trees. Seems like a pretty good invention not to use a, a candle on a dead tree. Nowadays, we see every kind of light known to mankind to light up a house. How many of you would describe your house as somewhat Griswold-ish? Like you just go too far with the lights. You're almost a, a, a public annoyance. Okay, some of you, you are, huh? Yeah, we are where we are, man. All right, so we have all kinds of these Christmas lights. It's now estimated, get this, it's now estimated this Christmas season that 90 million homes will decorate outside with Christmas lights. That's a few. That's a few. Now, some of you, your houses might look like these. Uh, I can't even imagine the electricity bill for some of these, but uh, 90 million homes. It's estimated that there's over 150 million light sets that are sold every year. 
do the math, that's quite the industry. So if you're looking for a career and you're in high school, you might want to go into the Christmas light business because it appears pretty lucrative. Lights and Christmas seem to go together. For as long as we can imagine it, it seems like it would go together. All you have to do is go back to the scriptures and you see that even on that first Christmas night, there was a light. There was a beautiful light. There was something special about that night. And it demonstrates that Jesus is the light of the world. Something that Christians, those who are following Jesus, proclaim and put their trust and belief in. Throughout this series, Christmas Hope, we've been doing a couple of different things. One very specifically that we've done is we've looked at many of the names given to this beautiful baby, this magnificent baby born on Christmas night. We've looked at the name Jesus, which means he has come to save. We have looked at the name Emmanuel, which means God is with you. He's with you in everything that you're going through, the good and the difficult. We've looked at Lord, that he is king that he is majesty, that he is royalty. And tonight, we look at the name light. I want to give you some examples. We, we could go for hours and hours and hours. You don't want that. Neither do I. Uh, but we could literally go for a long, long time looking at the scriptures on how they describe this baby boy born as light. So I want to direct your attention first to the book of John. John chapter 8, verse 12. Here's what is said. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's described at the very, very beginning of the story in, in Genesis chapter 1 where God creates creation. And at one point during that time, he creates light. And he says, it is what? It is good. There's something very, very good. There's something very special about light. There's verses throughout the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 27, verse one. We are reminded, the Lord is my light and my salvation. For whom shall I fear? Because if God is my light, I don't have anything to fear. For he is my light and my salvation. Psalm chapter 36 describes it that God is the fountain of life. And in his light, we see light. It's not the other way around. In his light, in his truth, in his reality, we actually see truth. We actually see light. And so it's not just in our scriptures. It's all around our world. This idea of light and light bulbs and Christmas, it's found in the movie Despicable Me. Any fans of Despicable Me? If we look at Felonius Grew, there he is. Every time Felonius Grew has a great idea, he will yell what? Light bulb. bulb. The kids know this. Come on, you got, adults got to keep up. Every time he has a great idea, every time he has something good, it's light bulb every single time. And so it's not only in the scriptures, it's also in our world. So tonight, I want to reveal two effects of following Jesus, the light of the world, to be present in your life. Two effects that if you follow Jesus, it will have in your everyday life. Not someday, but today. Tonight, tomorrow is your opening gifts. Number one, the light, Jesus reveals salvation. That's what he does. He reveals salvation. If we go back to Luke 
chapter 2, and we look at verses 28 and 29. Let me read this to you. Simeon, this man, we'll get to him in just a second. Simeon took him, meaning Jesus, as he is brought from, by his parents uh, to the temple. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, this is actually a song, Sovereign Lord, you have promised you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. A little background on Simeon. Simeon's an old man at this point. He has been waiting in the temple for the prophecies to come true. These Old Testament stories of the coming Messiah, this baby, this king, this person is going to come one day. And Simeon has been waiting and waiting and waiting for a long time. And he gets a hold of this baby and he breaks out in song. Now, I wonder how many of you dads you were pr- probably excited when you were handed your, your child at their birth. How many of you, show of hands, broke out into song? You broke out into song? Like beat it? Like what, what kind of song are we thinking here? Similar to that? Okay. Uh, so Simeon is so excited. He's handed this baby and he does not pray. He does not rub its cheek. He does not sit and go, ooh, ga, 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 boo, goo, goo. He begins to sing. He breaks out into song. And so the question is, why? Why is Simeon so excited? And we find our answer in verse 32. For a light of revelation has come to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people, Israel. The light. And you know this. The only ones who get excited about light are the ones in darkness. The only ones who are super excited for there eventually to be light are ones who are struggling to find their way, wishing they had light to light the way. The darkness of this baby Jesus, you kids, this baby was born into the darkness of the rule of Caesar. He was born under this, this rule of oppression. In fact, it, was, it had been 400 years since God's people had heard from him. From the book of Malachi all the way to the book of Matthew, waiting and waiting and waiting to hear from their God. Darkness and silence. And Simeon, Simeon knew the promises of hope. He knew his Old Testament writings. He knew that God was coming one day. He knew the promises of the light that was coming to dispel the darkness to his people. Thousands and thousands of years prior in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, we read that the people were walking in darkness and that finally, finally they had seen a light and a new light had dawned. Simeon knew the promises and the hope found in Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See darkness, it covers the earth, and thick darkness is over all the people, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness 
of your dawn. Simeon knows this. He has heard Zechariah's song in the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 78 and 79. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine his light on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. That's what Jesus does. Jesus comes to reveal his salvation. This is why Simeon is so unbelievably excited. The light of salvation that shines on all people of all color, of all ages, of all background, of all statuses, everywhere and forevermore, and offers forgiveness and hope and peace and love and goodness and finally inserted light into darkness. He's finally come. That's Jesus. That's this baby. That's who we read about. That's who we sing about. That's why we celebrate. Second, the light of Jesus illuminates truth for us. I don't know what you like to do with your kids for fun. Um, I like to scare mine. Um, not all the time, just some of the time. Um, we love to play hide-and-go-seek in our house. Um, and sometimes it's traditional hide-and-go-seek. Sometimes it's sardines, if any of you have ever played sardines. It's a form of hide-and-go-seek. And we actually played this uh, last night. And most of the kids don't mind being scared, but Sandy does. And so we try not to do that to her. I, it's, it's a good parenting and, and, and marriage skill not to do that. So I try, I try not to do it all the time. I do it some of the time. Thank you for listening to my sin. And so even last night, we played this uh, as a family. We got home from looking at Christmas lights, and we decided to uh, play sardines and hide and go seek. All of us like to hide by ourselves, except for Max and sometimes Sandy, uh, because of fear of the darkness. Now, the nice thing is when it snows, it brightens up the house a little bit, but it's still awfully dark when you turn everything off. And so we began to play, and Max was my partner. And one of the things we do is we've got a little light, and so we allow the kids to bring a tiny little light with them, uh, especially Max. And you can see it's not very bright, uh, but it does the job. And what happens is Max will have this feeling like there's something around the corner. He will have this fear as you would. You guys are like, I can't, man, I can't believe he's scared. Well, if you came to my house tonight and we played hide and go seek, you might be scared as well. So Max will have this feeling of there's someone around the corner, there's something under the bed, there's someone around the doorway, and he has this fear that something is there waiting for him. The light, what he does is he carries around his flashlight, and what does the light do? The light reveals truth. The light reveals there's no one around the corner, there's, unless it's me going to scare him. But usually there's no one around the corner, at least that he doesn't know. There's no one around the corner. There's no one under the bed. There's no one hiding over here. There's no one going to get him. Why does he know that? Because his light reveals the truth. The light shines and tells us the truth because when we walk in darkness, our mind begins to tell us things that are not true. Our mind begins to tell us things that we should be afraid of. And in Jesus, we see that he illuminates what's true for us. 
Only in Jesus do we find that. In Psalm chapter 119, verse 105, we read this. Your word, the Bible, it's a lamp unto my feet and it's a light for my path. You see, when we insert Jesus into our path, we might not walk into a door. We might know the truth that's around every corner. We might see life for how it normally and should be. In an age where truth is considered debatable, where truth is often created and recreated, especially in news and on campuses, where truth appears to be a moving object and hard to obtain, Jesus comes and he illuminates ultimate, unchanging, always and forever truth. That's what he does. He does it for me, and he offers and does it for you. You see, Jesus sheds our light to see who he really is in the context of who we really are. That's what he offers to do. And for most of us, we know that the path of life is not easy. We know that there are highs and lows. I know there are many of you tonight that even though it's, it's a beautiful Christmas night and it looks beautiful in here and we're singing songs and there's cookies and coffee and tea and, and we're doing fun stuff, there are some of you who have very, very, very heavy hearts tonight. And I know that. But I also know my Lord, Jesus, offers to come in and to illuminate that path for you as we wrestle with him. That's, that's the reason why we're doing this, ser this uh, new series, Wrestling with God, because it's difficult at times. Life is difficult. As, as we try and wrestle with, with the truth of what scripture gives us, it's not always easy. And I don't know what you may be facing this Christmas season. Maybe it's your future is unknown. Maybe there are health issues. Maybe you have job loss. Maybe you're in a stressful marriage, kid issues. Maybe you have depression. There are so many things just in this room alone and for those who are listening online. But you see, if you walk in darkness, you might run into a tree. Or worse, you might run into a bear. You might run into something that might just delay you and you might run into something that's very, very dangerous. But you see, God has given you hope in Jesus. Amen. A light to guide you in his path. He's given you Emmanuel. God is with you. He loves you. He's crazy about you. Even tonight with whatever you might be facing, he is with you. He is for you. He's always been for you. He's never left you, and he has incredible plans waiting for you. This is why Christmas is amazing, friends. This is why it's amazing. This is why we celebrate. This is why it's the most wonderful time of the year. Because of Jesus. Because of who he is and what he does for us. So this Christmas, may your house be filled with joy, an unspeakable joy. 
May you walk in his light. May you be guided by his truth, guided by his wisdom, guided by his protection. May you experience him more this year than you've ever experienced before in your entire life. And may he use you to offer forgiveness and love and peace and joy and hope to all of those around you because he's the light. That's, that's what he does, this little baby. And so we're going to, we have a gift for you. The, the team is going to sing a song. And we're just going to ask that you reflect on it, reflect on the words, maybe reflect on this past year, reflect for just a moment to be calm and to be quiet and, and to reflect on the Christmas season. For some of you, it's been a rush. It's been a, a stressful rush. And we just want to give you a, a chance to take a breath and to rest and to be at peace. And so enjoy what we're about to give to you. Let's pray together. So Lord, we love you. Thank you that... You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. We thank you that uh, all of our hope is found in you. Thank you that you truly are Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you that you are the light, the light that brings salvation and the light that illuminates truth. And I pray that this Christmas season we would remember that in all the things that we do and say for your glory and your glory alone.